0: Welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 70 for December 21st, 2019, and likely our last one of the year. In this episode, we return to our previous Americans in the WRC discussion, this time with special guest Alex Kiriani. Alex, who co-drove for Sean Johnston, had one heck of a crazy schedule competing in both Junior WRC and the European Rally Championship at the same time. We'll talk a little bit about his rally history, as well as what it's like competing regularly at the world level. This is Open Paddock. The Rallycast. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when it is that you listen to our podcast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and once again, it has been a while since we've been on the show, but life gets in the way, and it is the run up to Christmas. And I don't know about you, but I swear I have 10 times more things to do near the end of the year versus any other time. So it's been a busy time. Uh, Real quick shout out to our friends up north, uh, Formula Photographic and Bose Media on the last uh, podcast we did talking about Tall Pines Live. It was really cool to see them do that. I think it went really well. It wasn't perfect, but I think they definitely showed how the promise of what a live product could do with uh, something here in North America. So really pleased with how that turned out. Hoping we see more of it. Anyway, I'm flying solo on this one, and because Ian is unfortunately caught a bug, it could be the man flu, he just could be watching rally videos all weekend, we're not sure, but (laughs) we do hope he gets better. And you may hear a little bit in the background, a little bit of laughing, that is our guest Alex Kiriani. Alex, welcome finally to the Open Paddock Rallycast, man, I, I swear I've known you for
1: forever now. Yeah, I know. And uh, well, thanks for having me on. So uh, as, as I mentioned, we talked a little bit at, at rallies here and there when I've been back from the UK. But it's great to finally be on the show and uh, talking to you and talking to everyone back home since I don't get to do it enough these days.
0: Well, you are kind of our expat American uh, over there <laughs> in Europe doing all kinds of rally things. But for those few that don't know who the famous Alex Kiriani is. I, I am going to ask you to give us a, a little bit of a brief background because you've been around this rally thing since you were just a wee pup.
1: Yeah, yeah. It has been a really long time. And to be to be honest, I have trouble summarizing it. I actually probably summarized Sean's, you know, motorsport journey and story a lot better than I can my own. But um, I'll give it the best shot. Um, I mean, I've been A big rally fan for you know since I was essentially a toddler my dad comes from Kenya he grew up with the safari rally back there and um never quite had the money to compete when I was growing up but um, we always went to STPR every year um so I've been going there since I was six years old and obsessed watching rally videos all the time even even before then um and then once the uh the internet started to become a thing (laughs) i was about 11 years old and i was on um i guess the first online rally community which in the us which was called rally l it was like a online distribution mailing list sort of thing and at that age i was just so bold i think i would send messages to emails to like john buffum or like kurt spencer who you know ran the series at the time and steve gingris and all these um guys from, uh, you know, the top of rallying back in, um, back in those days. Um, and I think by the time I was 12, I was pretty, you know, convinced that going to SDPR every year wasn't enough. So it took me about a year, but, um, I was able to convince my parents to let other rally teams, um, give me rides to different rallies in the national championship. So that started with new England forest rally in the year 2000 back when it was called the main forest rally. And I had my little video camera that I figured out how to create online videos with and have my website and sold my footage and, um, just basically got babysat in and taken care of by the rally community when I was essentially a kid, um, with the intention of co-driving once I was old enough and, um, uh, that, yeah, happened as soon as I turned sixteen, and now I'm almost thirty three. So I've been co-driving for more than half my life, um, and uh, and oh, yeah, all the other stuff along the way. So I'm mean, <laughs> not to interrupt, but you
0: know, co-driving—that was your goal from the very get go, wasn't? Like, ah, driving's too expensive, so maybe I'll try co-driving.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think like everyone, you you know, you first think about driving, but um, and I was always. Into the the simulators and everything like that when I was um, a teenager, um, but yeah, driving was quite prohibitively expensive. Um, I also was doing co-driving in navigational rallies from the time I was about twelve or thirteen as well, um, and I think the you know within the rally community. Claire Chisma, she was the person that took me to um, New England Forest Rally in 2000 and gave me a lot of encouragement to um, start co-driving. So maybe when I started out, I thought maybe I'd do some co-driving and maybe do some driving. But um, financially, driving was was never quite there. And then also I realized my my skill set um and organization, and even just the, uh, you know, being being a bit book smart as far as school and that sort of thing is concerned, actually translate quite well to the co-driving. And if I wanted to be where I wanted to be, which was going to the World Rally Championship, I think that was always my intent. the The most likely way to get there was uh, through the co-driving seat.
0: Well, you've obviously been very successful at that, um, having competed <laughs> not only uh, you know here in the U.S. And, and gone all across the country here, and then moving up when you did move uh, to Europe and uh, got to do some junior WRC, what was it, WRC Academy, right?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with uh, Christy Plessy back in 2012, which now sounds like a long time ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, can't stop time, can we?
1: Yeah, oh, no, not quite. <laughs>
0: but I, I I swear you've got to be probably the most world experienced American rallyist
1: these days I, I I think that like somehow that seems to have sort of happened I um I, I was thinking you know back through it you know this this year and obviously we've done so much rallying this year and um, yeah, you know, now you have EWRC that shows all your results and everything coming through, and I, I think I still remember every rally that I've done. But it's it's something like a hundred and forty rally weekends or something, which is over seventeen years, which is, which is uh, really really crazy to think about. Since it it does still feel like you know I just I just started, <laughs> even though it has been. Um, been that long and, and things like uh doing you know, wrc academy um in 2012 with chris which is you know what really drove me to think okay i need to move to europe and um stay there if it's if you know I re- i'm really serious about competing in the world rally championship or getting experience at that level um it's pretty crazy to think that's you know seven eight years ago almost now um because uh, it does feel you know quite quite recent even
0: well and and the Alex Kiriani story, you've, you've just had, you've had a lot that's gone on. Um, yeah. You've had ups and downs and backups yeah. again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> one thing I really, really enjoy about uh, how you accomplish all of this is you actually focus a lot on work-life balance. Yeah. And you've written quite a bit about it, actually. Uh, for those that mm-hmm. don't know, you've got a, a, i think it's on your LinkedIn now. Is that right?
1: Yep. Yeah, Exactly.
0: And uh, Um, yeah, go ahead and uh, explain kind of a little bit about that, because I I found that super interesting. And it's something I struggle with every day, I swear.
1: Yeah, I think it's something that everyone struggles with. And obviously, I mean, my case is such an extreme example of how one might struggle with it. So um, I feel it's quite important for me to to share my story and share. Um, what well, I found that that works um, so that other people can figure out solutions for themselves as well. Um, I mean, my sort of story with that comes through, um, you know, while I was co-driving, I was going to college. Um, and when I was 21 years old, I pretty much had like the, the dream ticket. I was on Subaru Rally Team USA co-driving for uh, Dave Mira. Um, and that was going into you know, my junior and, and senior year of college. Um, and I was also interning at, uh, Ernst & Young, where I still work now. Um, and I was, you know, torn between, you know, can I do the rallying professionally or can I, or should I work or those types of things? And, you know, right before the end of my senior year, um, uh, you know, I, lost the seat with uh, Dave and got replaced with, uh, Derek Ringer. So Colin McRae's old co-driver and the former world champion, which completely makes sense (laughs) as far (laughs) as developing a new driver, um, a 21 and 21 year old in the car with limited international experience, um, is absolutely, you know, nothing compared to the, uh, you know britain's first you know the co-driver to britain's first world rally champion so um kind of a disappointment but also um as much of a uh, as flattering as a disappointment can be um so and it was 2009 during the economic crisis and downturn so um i just went to work and uh always trying to rally and figure out ways to make it work and um, started co-driving with Joseph Burke, uh, maybe a year after, and that went really well. And, you know, I got the seat with Joseph because of the Icelandic volcano eruption when the European co-drivers couldn't make the Olympus rally back in 2010. <laughs> um, and then was Saved by a that.
0: volcano. That's that's I like Saved by a this. volcano.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people sometimes talk about um, some of these weather interventions, grounding flights, and how much of a catastrophe it would be. And they always bring up that example. And I was like, oh, That saved my co-driving career. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, So, yeah, but then it, you know, my my work and my rallying has actually become so intertwined because then in order for me to to move internationally, it had to be through work in order to have a work visa Um, and me even working at um, one of the big four accounting firms is because of Christian Edstrom, who was uh, Travis Pastrana's co-driver. And he was a senior manager at Deloitte. Um, and he actually took a year leave of absence to do the World Rally Championship with Travis back then. And I was trying to um, figure out what exactly, um, you know, kind of career path I could take that I'd have more than two weeks of holiday and I, and I could still, still go rallying. Um, and that seemed like the, uh, the best option. And also, of course, you have the international offices, so I'd be able to move internationally. So, you know, being able to, to rally and compete in europe is only because of my job as well so even though they um you know both ask for quite a bit of my time and it can be quite tricky balancing the two they're actually mutually dependent
0: wow (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then of course um a a little more also on the drama side as you you know figured out that balance you you had unfortunately the the health Concerned that ended up coming yeah. up uh we yeah came back to the states uh to do a uh, little bit more with your friend chris Duplessis. Yeah, but then yeah yeah that came into again things getting better again and now you you're doing even more than you ever did before
1: right yeah exactly so um yeah quite fortunate that <laughs> that all worked out the way it did um you know when i first moved over to to the uk in 2014 i had um you know, the seat in the European Championship right away with Alex Protas, which um, quite a stroke of good luck. Um, and then, but yeah, unfortunately the next year um, he had some financial problems and then also had the, the leukemia diagnosis. But um, uh, fortunately, you know, the health system over there took care of me very well. And, um, you know, I'd say within, within a year I was back up to speed and then um, able to Start co-driving and um, you know working and doing everything full-time, or now even um, being able to do more than you know I used to even do back then. Um, so yeah, quite fortunate and grateful for that. Um, maybe I'd say maybe 2015 and 2016 probably didn't get a chance to progress as as much as I did. Just had. A couple interruptions. Also, um, you know, maybe I focused on my my day job career a little bit more, which has been paying off now, um, you know, for for those years. But then, yeah, in 2017, linked up with um, Crazy Leo and had a nice year back doing lots of stuff in North America and then a few events in Europe Um, and then, of course, in 2018 uh sean johnston came out of nowhere and uh we've been running together ever since
0: well that was gonna be my that's perfectly how did you meet sean uh you know again this is the guy that started out getting his racing career playing video games which all of us you know we we love the sim stuff and and still do uh but he he was actually one of the few that actually got to do, do that uh was it the
1: the, the yeah the gt academy
0: gt academy thing yeah and yeah. actually turned that into a racing career which is just unfathomable for most people to even consider taking yeah video games to the real world
1: yeah exactly and i think sean's the probably the first generation or the first one of the first people to to actually do that which is really cool since um you know i grew up were playing and uh Doing so much of the simulator type of things um maybe before people realized it was actually a viable way of training um and sean was actually able to to launch his career through that so um so, yeah, I mean, I guess, as I mentioned, I'm better at summarizing Sean's career than my, much better than my own. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Sean came through the original GT Academy and then um, the, they had the shootout where they took the best Gran Turismo players in the world, put them in a whole bunch of different racing challenges in in real cars, and then it finished with like a big finale race. Um, and after the whole, you know, the whole uh, TV, sh- they put on the TV show and after the whole Uh, challenge Sean actually finished second first place gets the factory ride with Nissan second gets essentially nothing um but it ended up being a blessing in disguise so uh, he ended up meeting his sponsor um Tom Driscoll through um through that process um who's the you know the former uh, CEO of Driscoll's Berries um and he's since then um gone on to uh um, so he sponsored him his first year doing, uh, the Porsche cup in the U S. Um, and Sean's first year in a real car, he won that quite easily. So then wow. Porsche and his sponsor then sent him to Europe to race in the, the Porsche Carrera cup and Porsche super cup, which, you know, run, runs alongside formula one in Europe. So he was doing that for a bunch of years, but, um, you know, maybe wasn't as successful as he hoped. I think, you know, he was always finishing in the top half of the field, had some top five finishes, but wasn't quite winning races. So, um, and his sponsor had, um, some personal issues at the time. So he decided to take a year out, went to, a Zen center for, uh, for a year that his, um, sponsor supports, um, and did a lot of, uh, you know, well, took a year off and also lots of mental training and meditation and those types of things. And came out of that at the end of 2017, early 2018 and decided he wanted to go rallying. <laughs>
0: Just decided think the just rally thing. <there. laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had gone, he's been living in Germany for a while, so he had got spectated, um, uh, rallied Deutschland, and thought it was, uh, you know, the coolest thing he ever saw. And, awesome. And, um, you know, he loves being outside, loves nature, he really liked the idea of working with a co-driver. And, um, you know, I think a lot of guys in circuit racing have a bit, bit of a dream of doing rallying since it is such a, a pure motorsport. uh so he decided yeah that um, he was going to make that switch and his sponsor supported him in making that switch and then he had a scramble to find a co-driver <laughs> so did you find your
0: linkedin account or how is how did that happen
1: <laughs> so um you know actually it's funny enough at the end of 2017 i was um Talking to Connor Martell because that was his—he did Tall Pines um, and finished just ahead of myself and Leo after he had a puncture, and I was saying, "Oh, you know, if you're serious about this rally thing, you know, you should, you should um, go to Europe right away and, like, um, you know, even in Germany as like the the Opel Cup, it has the R1 cars with the sequential gearbox. There's 20 cars; they're all equal. It's super competitive. It's very cheap, but it'll, you know, get you moving in the right direction." Um And Sean was living in Germany and heard a, the Opal Cup might be a good way to get started um, and uh, decided to go through that, which I obviously agreed with very much. They were like, well, you know, as far as English speaking co-drivers, you know, there's one American that has experience doing the Opal Cup um, <laughs> and that's Alex Kirani. So I think I got um, a message from him and two other people that that same day saying, um, oh, you need to link up with this Sean um, John Johnston character. And um, so we talked and. Of course, I've always been looking for someone um, that's American that's, you know, as serious about uh, trying to compete on in the international stages as I am, and I seemed like um, that was the case, and it turned out definitely is the case, um, so we've been, you know, working together since then. I actually couldn't make his first rally because I had a, a conflict, so he used a Swedish co-driver that, um, uh, you know, actually has won the junior WRC, um, Jakob Soberg, for his first rally, and then from the second rally onward, I've been with Sean.
0: Wow. And, and you two obviously seem to have melded quite well. We've seen a lot of little video clips and, and things like <laughs> yeah. that. And uh, you, you seem like you're having a lot of fun with it. I mean, obviously, it's very technical. You guys had a lot going on this year. Yeah. But it, you seem to have pretty much right away a, a pretty darn good relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, we figured out quite quite quickly that, um, you know, very similar values. And, and while we come from quite different backgrounds. Um, definitely big fans of each other's stories and um uh yeah, just um just good friends in general. So um that was quite fortunate that, you know, we're get along quite well and we definitely both want to go exactly the same place in the same direction. So um, you know, that works that helps a lot because especially rallying at the level that we're rallying at in the European Championship and World Rally Championship, it it is a lot of pressure and the events are, are very, very busy. So there's, you know, tons of tension and it's not, um, the relationship between driver and co-driver isn't the easiest. So, um, you know, if you're not, uh, already friends to begin with and, uh, you don't sort of, um, you know, have that relationship or belief in each other as, as people to begin with, it can, um, it could be even tougher than it already is.
0: Well, having competed both in Europe and in North America I guess uh, how, can you explain what I guess some a general difference of what it's like atmosphere wise um, Yeah. you know is it is it is it just that much more intense when you go to just any European
1: event I would say that the biggest difference and what what drives a lot a lot more of the challenges is just the level of, of competition so there's so many cars out there that are um, exactly the same and everyone pushes really really hard um, So as far as your pace notes and everything like that is concerned, you know, you can't take a stage to get warmed up and get into it. You can't take, um, you know, areas where a stage or a section that you think is tricky and back off. You just have to. Get things right, and you need to get things right the first time. So that means a lot more work in recce. That means a lot more video work um, after the recce, and a lot of video work, um, you know, before recce to really understand the differences of each of the stages and where the bad corners are, and and um, have sort of a, a plan before you even start writing the notes in general. Um, I guess the other part I would say is, um, yeah, the the, um, the roads just in general are a lot more technical. So especially tarmac rallies, the roads are about as wide as the car and they're a lot windier and bumpier with a lot more hazards on the side than, you know, in the US and Canada, you have quite a bit of room to move around. And that's just because the roads in Europe are, are so old. So, um, yeah, you have to push harder and you have a smaller margin for error on the roads themselves, which um, makes sort of the whole basis of it uh, quite a bit more challenging. You know, not not
0: only have you dealt with these challenges of being on this larger scale now doing, uh, you know, Junior WRC and the European Rally Championship, but you chose Mm -hmm. or Sean chose with you to do (laughs) both in the same damn year. Yeah, Uh, I mean, mean, everybody seat time is important, but (laughs) that's like a whole other level, man. I I don't know anybody that's done that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was insane. And definitely for next year, we're taking things down a lot. <laughs> um, and, we, and we knew it was a bit too much. And we knew maybe it was a tiny bit too much going into it. But I think it was, um, you know, 2018 was his first year. And he mostly did the German championship. Um, and we did a, a an R1 car and we did a bit of R2 stuff. But what he wanted from, you know, after last year is just to really get him seat time, really get him comfortable um, making his notes getting him into the rhythm of, of doing these big events um, and just getting experience at so many of these rounds so it's just getting him as much experience as possible and now now he has it and he has quite a bit of familiarity with you know most of the rounds in in either championship um, and for the ones that he doesn't you know at least i've uh, I, know I have some experience at, at those as well so um so now the focus is of course just getting everything um, much more precise getting his Pace up a bit more, getting his pace notes to um, to the next level as far as speed. Since now they're they're quite accurate and quite reliable, um, but uh, you know, just getting everything to be faster and faster and faster, and, and you know, really working with the engineers and and testing and trying to be able to get one hundred and ten percent out of the car and and us every single time we um, we go to compete.
0: You know, that's something that. I, I when we talked to uh, Adele Van Way when he did a few events in the Junior WC and whatnot, yeah. Um, he he was telling us a lot about how there is just so much more testing for the top guys. You usually have like a in in the Junior WC at least as an example, you have like a top four, and then kind of and everybody else. And those top four yeah. guys that are they'll do a regional rally in that area, like the weekend before, two weeks before the actual yeah. rally. And they've got so much more seat time, so much more setup time and things like that. It seems to be because these cars are so evenly matched, that is Mm -hmm. the key. Uh,
1: Yeah, yeah, a bit. I mean, with the JWRC, they do a good job of of really limiting what you can do with a setup so that um, you can't gain too much of an advantage as far as. Testing with regards to setup because all you can really change is the dampers, um, but of course getting the most out of that setup and how you need to drive the car with that setup, um, you know, having the testing really really helps. And then of course doing the events on a similar road beforehand, um, if you can if you can swing it, in a similar car also really helps so that you know when you arrive you're going, file out a hundred percent from from the get go. Um, and there's loads of other things tricks and things that um, probably people in the U.S. don't necessarily know, um, you know, that you need to do as far as uh, pace notes and what kind of what kind of help you need on events and getting people's onboards and and, uh, you know, just the, the level of prep that you need to do is um, is just so much more than than maybe necessarily what you would see going on in uh, uh, back in North America.
0: Actually, you know, that brings me to, a, to something you were saying earlier about, uh, you know, how everybody has to do so much more with pace notes in Europe and whatnot. And yeah. it, it reminds me of when Oliver Solberg came over here. It was one mm-hmm. of the few times I – we're, we're there doing just Park Expo, and yeah. he's got a laptop open. And until he has to do an interview or something like that or, or you know, a fan wants a signature, he's watching that onboard right yep. then before heading out to the stages and, yep. and just trying to just get everything perfect in advance yep. and just always looking at that stuff. And that really impressed me.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, uh, I mean, we do a couple of tricky things as well. Like if we have onboards for a stage, we'll watch an onboard of the stage between first and second pass. So then we can, you know, see if there's anything that we missed as far as like a cut or a bad corner um, or a particular line that we got wrong the first pass driving through. And then we know we can drive it through the second time and amend it. We always watch the video as a third pass the night of. We always review the video the morning of before we go and sit in the car. So a rally like Valley GB, Um, you know, you see us reviewing the pace notes at, um, you know, five in the morning before getting in the car at six o'clock and going. And that's even after we've finished at midnight (laughs) the previous night. Um, And that's that's kind of a minimum, um, especially Sean has been working quite a bit with uh, Eric Camilli as of late. And, you know, he says for a new stage, he'll he'll probably be going through the the video at least four times before (laughs) before he's um, actually using his pace notes out on the stage. Wow. That's, yeah.
0: that's another level.
1: Yeah. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> and, yeah. You know, and it's great to see, you know, again, American that's over there experiencing that level and mm-hmm. uh, being able to, you know, and you out there as well, just, you know, trying to get things at next level and actually perfect segue, because uh, let's talk about Wales Rally GB because we had the <laughs> American invasion, which was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and th- there are quite a few Americans over there. Of course, you and Sean, what, <laughs> uh a, a, an awesome experience obviously you yeah. guys got on the podium in your class but it, having all these americans over there did it make you maybe feel a little bit more patriotic
1: <laughs> yeah a bit i mean um yeah, I always say it's a bit bit of a shame that uh, you know to not so many people back home, you know, really know who in the rally community really know who Sean is. Um, so I was quite excited that there would be more Americans over to actually um, you know see what all of us are doing, and that there's an interest in you know from from America going to the World Rally Championship and, and being more competitive in rallying, um, uh, and then also uh, you know be able to get more attention back home. So it was really nice that you know you and the whole Open Paddock team was really pushing the American invasion out there and um, seeing everyone back home really following along. So it was nice to, while people were following along, to actually um, deliver a result like that.
0: Well, and were you guys aware when you guys were on the podium that, at least as far as from my research, there has not been an American on a WRC podium in any class yeah. since John Buffum in
1: 1988? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sean was asking and I thought, I, I, like I was like I can't think of anything since since Buffham and then when we finit came across the finish line, Colin Clark was there and he's like and he and he goes up to us us he's like when was the last time an Americans finished you know on the podium in any class at the World Rally Championship and then uh, I was like uh, I don't know and Colin's like I don't know either but I think it's been about thirty years. <laughs> yep, that's about spot on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, which was which is really cool and it was a nice um culmination of you know all the all the work and all the progress we've done this year. I think Finland for us actually went really well and we had pretty good pace and consistency um we just had we dropped down from three cylinders to two for the first Oof. half of Saturday and that dropped us like six minutes. So um you know with all I think seven or eight cars crashed in Finland out of the the 15. so we actually would have been third then if it, if it wasn't for that. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it you know, we would have gotten that podium due to more so attrition than than anything else. I mean, we had good pace compared to the rest of the field. But, um, you know, we weren't weren't quite there on pace. Like, we, you know, we're probably like seventh or so on sixth or seventh on pace versus like, you know, third on pace. But in Rally GB, you know, from the we we're third on the first stage and then we lost a little bit on the, the second stage, L C And then but then from stage three onward, we we were third quickest and we kept third from stage three all the way to the end and no problems, no issues, didn't hit anything. Um, we're just consistently fairly quick the whole way. And um, we're very, very proud of that and felt like, you know, the third pace was definitely deserved at, um, um for that event.
0: Well, and tricky, tricky conditions. It was yeah. soaking wet out there. Yeah. Uh, dark and dreary. Um, yeah. Now, you did have a little bit of uh, experience in the ERC and the sopping wet stuff. I remember it from, uh, from being yeah. on the, on the, the Caldera um, Azores, I believe, yeah. right? Yeah. So Azores you had at least some experience was... with that kind of stuff, but yeah, this yeah, is a little yeah. more rocky and rough, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, at least in Rally GB, there's there's good drainage. Um, The roads are very well cambered, um, which gives them a really good flow, especially at high speeds. But there are some areas that are just muck and slime, and it's just difficult when, um, you know, it's chucking it down that hard. And you also need to you have the the dark and the fog. Fortunately, Sean actually works really well in the dark um, from his endurance racing. He always preferred being doing the night racing. His notes are really detailed. So, um, you know, racing in the night is is just fine for him um but it's just yeah racing and those kind of conditions are quite difficult especially in the world Rally championship all the things you need to do on the road section you know making you know checking tire pressures making sure they're perfect swapping front to back on the road sections the road sections at rally gb were actually quite tight and maybe for the with the new service park not thought through so thoroughly so um, we really had to work hard to make make time on the road and uh and make sure we had time to do all the things that Um, would keep us competitive so that we were ready to go each stage with the right pressures with the tires in the right place and uh, you know, all the safety equipment and everything ready to go. Well,
0: obviously exciting stuff uh, from Wales Rally GB and uh, something we're going to be sharing here in a bit. Uh, Can we mention that you have a documentary video coming out?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I will. So um, we're just going to try to, it's basically done. So I've showed you the little preview, but um, next week between Christmas and New Year's we'll, we'll release the little, um, documentary which is about 20 minutes long and you can see the behind the scenes footage as well as some of the, the action shots from um, from rally gb which uh, hopefully should be quite fun and entertaining <laughs>
0: yeah I, well i, I thought it's pretty cool and like i said just you guys you, you meld so well together you guys have fun with it yet you're super serious and, and and always put on a really good show so from that here you are you had some great success you get on the podium then you get an opportunity to test an R5. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us the transition from R2 to R5, because that is one of the things we've heard time and again. It is a massive leap.
1: Yeah. I mean, fortunately for Sean, it actually was a fairly natural step. Um, I think since he's coming from the circuit racing, racing these, rear wheel drive high horsepower cars being in an r5 car which is really a proper racing car he felt i feel like a little bit more at home um and driving front wheel drive um and not having any rear wheels driving has been um, a bit of a struggle for him to adjust to that driving style and get used to those types of things um, but it has been obviously overall a good um development for his driving for for rally um but then now adding the rear wheel drive well the rear wheels driving in addition to the front sort of, you know, connects the front wheel drive rallying to his rear wheel drive sports car racing. And he just, um, you know, actually from the first few runs on the, on the practice stage, everything on the the test in France that we did, everything, um, felt really comfortable and then, um, was, was going really well. And, uh, you know, Alexey Lukinuk was there um, just helping him out with the, the testing and you know he found some things that weren't quite right with the setup so um, you know actually everything was going in the right direction and you know their their pace on the little testing road was was um, was really really close so um, it was encouraging from the get-go which is why we decided to um, you know just uh, do a little test when uh, ERC hungry in the in the r5 car for you know in preparation for deciding what we're going to do this year.
0: So, yeah, uh, so Rally Hungry, there were uh, 17 R5s in that. Yep. And you guys finished eighth overall. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's good. And uh, <laughs> For a first outing,
0: damn, yeah, yeah. man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we we're really, really surprised we came through the um, – uh, you know, the, the qualifying stage, we were sixth quickest, um, which we're quite quite surprised about. And, and definitely, you know, making the notes and everything. We weren't OK for the in the R2 car and Rally GB and those kinds of places. We're making the notes to try to really carry as much speed as possible through every corner and really push. I mean, for Hungary, we were just trying to make our notes safe. Um, and uh, get through the event and get the experience. And we were quite surprised that um, actually the pace already seemed to be relatively there. Um, we probably could have been actually fifth or sixth, but um, yeah, we both had some silly mistakes maybe because we weren't quite you know, really with our heads in competing. <laughs> uh, we're just kind of going for experience. But um, encouraging, to, to say the least, that, you know, we could go out there and everything, for the most part, worked. I mean, it was fairly obvious what we needed to work on from doing that event. But um, but at the same time, um, it showed a lot of a lot of promise.
0: So before we talk about 2020 plans, though, I want to yep. ask you just, you know, you've had all this experience now in WRC and ERC and other just events throughout uh, Europe and whatnot mm-hmm. and the U.S. Do, do, do you have a favorite WRC event?
1: Yeah, I mean, a, a few favorites. I mean, of course, like Finland is always the best. I don't think uh, it's, it's hard to uh, dispute that one, but most of them are, I mean, each event has its own unique challenge and uh, is really really cool and you know even even events that you know like rally gb can be a little bit miserable at times but really being on the stages out there on the faster flowing roads is is really really great as well so it's um it's it's hard to pick a favorite there's so many great events but um, it's hard not to say finland as well
0: do you, do you ever have a moment where you've been on a stage that has been mapped in one of the sim games and you're like I know this section.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, a little bit. Well, usually I mean, I'm, a such, a, I'm right? such a rally. Yeah. I'm, I'm such a rally dork that, I mean, I've already noticed it from the the simulator, which one is you know, the other, the proper stage. Nice. <laughs> so it's got it, but it's, it's more actually when I, am um, on a stage and I recognize something from like, you know, a rally video from when I was like six or seven years old or something like that. Awesome. And it's like, and that, that for me, that, uh, Really sends shivers down my spine because, you know, sitting there watching, always dreaming of being able to race in those cars and these rallies on on those roads um, and then noticing, oh, my God, I'm, I am right here. Um, that's uh, that, that, that's something that's always really, really special to me. Um, I had actually a really pretty crazy, um, experience in, uh, in Corsica. Um, we ran, uh, you know, the second stage of the rally was really technical, really high up in the mountains. And, um, we ended up, that's where we had our, our role in Corsica where we were suspended in the trees before, uh, unfortunately not falling all the way down the ravine. Um, and one of the marshals came by and, uh, just made sure we're okay. Um, and had us walk to where. You know, he was parked and on the walk back about three or four corners, there was a little um, memorial and I went to look at it. And it was actually uh, Artilio Betigo is where where he had his accident back in uh, 1985 um, in Corsica. So, you know, I'd always known about it and I'd actually remember seeing some of the signs around, um, you know, the. The footage from the rally videos when they're sending emergency help and stuff to that area, and I, I, I had an idea that maybe it was that area, but I didn't realize it was literally um, that exact piece of road. And
0: isn't that where also where uh, Henry Toyvenen was also? Yeah. in Corsica.
1: So yeah, yeah. so other side of the island, but yeah. um, you know, it's it's crazy in Corsica. Every every road there is. Literally a, uh, a rally road, so um you could you could use almost any any road on the island and make a stage out of it. <laughs> ah,
0: well, it is definitely some uh, brilliant tarmac, and but yeah, I, I've heard co-drivers can lose their voice on that one. It's so busy, and yeah. uh, drivers or co-drivers getting carsick who normally don't get carsick. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: it, it it's busy.
1: Yeah, 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 it's busy. I mean, it was fortunate we had as, well as the week before just. Getting used to you know, to Cidades, the volcano stage there was so much writing and so busy that at least during the recce it seemed kind of normal with Corsica. But I remember even you know in Corsica that the first stage going through there, there's a few times where I was talking and I'm like, oh no, I'm almost out of like I'm almost at the edge end of my breath. Like I need to make sure I really breathe in deeply before I start delivering notes. <laughs> uh, so WRC
0: said Finland, hard to top that one. ERC favorite yep. event.
1: Ooh, ERC favorite event. Um, probably Jlin, just like the the absolute best atmosphere. So many excited fans, and the roads are are um, just absolutely nuts. <laughs> but, yeah, awesome. Uh, maybe sometimes, some stages, I'm like, oh, maybe this is like a, a bit too dangerous, you know, like lots of trees near the road and really fast, bumpy tarmac, but uh, it's so intense there and there's such a good atmosphere and everyone's pushing so hard, um, you know, there's places where you're just flying over jumps through the air. It's uh, it's really something special. So I love Jlin and also I wish Circuit of Ireland would come back into the ERC Aww. or the WRC because um, I, I always really loved that
0: event. I did, from the videos, I still keep going back and watching uh, Especa Lappi in his yeah. Skoda, and, yeah, and I'm just like, holy... <laughs> Yeah, yeah jaw dropping yeah. the pace. Him, and you can't Hamilton's make an
1: folly error. stage. It's uh, it's yeah, it's crazy. And you're, you know, you're in between the hedges in the tunnel, and you're flying over jumps everywhere. So that the speed, the sense of speed with the hedges so close is so, so intense. And every corner is blind, and you're in the air all the time. It's uh, it's it's really something. Well,
0: that sounds spectacular, and I would love to <laughs> see that happen. Um, so. Let's talk about uh, 2020, if you don't mind. Can you yeah. Do you know what the plans for 2020 are yet, or are you guys still deciding?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, probably for the past month or so, we've been talking about once a week and adjusting our plans. Um, I think after Hungary, um, the idea was we'd see how Hungary would go, and then we'd decide how much R5 stuff we would do next year. Um, the people at Three Two One Perform, where Sean has been, you know, doing a lot of his like um, sort of training and uh, like coordination training and testing. It's also where Sebastian Ogier goes. Um, they sort of encouraged him that he was ready to go for R five. Um, so that's sort of the focus this year. So what we're going to do is um, do Monte Carlo, but in the R two car. Um, we'll have Crazy Leo over to do our ice notes, um, and that's just to get experience at the rally and learn how to work with, um, you know, a gravel note crew properly, especially, um, you know, with Monte Carlo, where if, uh, the consequences for not getting, um, you know, the gravel notes and stuff correct can be, pretty uh pretty dire (laughs) so we'll do that in the uh in the less expensive car and the more familiar car and then we'll have uh, a bit of a break where we'll do um lots and lots of testing we might go in recce uh wrc mexico just because the roads are similar between and do some training with sean around pace notes and and driving and then in may we'll be um in the uh, R5 car from uh, WRC Portugal onward, and more of a focus on the WRC this year than um, than the ERC, um, and then the focus on R5. So less events this year, um, but more more testing and um, more stuff in the in the R5 car.
0: Well, <clears throat> a it's like four times more to run an R5, so it's yeah. definitely yeah. Uh, a, a different challenge there for sure. Uh, in yeah, trying to make sure you can fund it, but but, but yeah. then also you know yeah instead of just jumping into a whole bunch of events, get that experience in there learn from it, do more testing, that makes a lot of sense to be able to move that forward. So, wow. Uh, So that means you'll be in the... Are they going to call it WRC2 still next year? Because it's the Rally 2, Rally 3 thing. So it's so confusing how they decided to change all the (laughs) naming conventions. But is it Rally 3?
1: Is that what it is? So No, so so next year, it's just WRC2 Pro becomes WRC2, and then WRC2 becomes WRC3. Okay. So that's the the change. So we'll be doing WRC3. So WRC3 is basically private entrance in the R5 class, and WRC2 is factory entrance in the R5 class.
0: Okay, okay. And select, I think, uh, approved non-factories, which would be like uh, Oliver Solberg and whatnot are going to be in that. Pro area that they can call it, I guess WRC two instead of WRC. Yeah,
1: I think yeah. I think it's one of those things. If you if you pay the money, you can enter the class. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so it's a, it's a it's a it's a lot more money for the, the entrance fee, but um, you know, you get I guess a few other perks, and you do get proper gravel crew for the tarmac rounds. So um, ah, right. so. If, Monte Carlo because it'd be dangerous without a gravel crew. They let everyone have gravel crews, but if you think rounds like Germany um or Japan, they um you know, you won't have a a gravel crew if you're if you're doing WRC3.
0: Well, this is super exciting. I I yeah. it's been so fun to watch you guys progress. I mean, and and we have to come back and think
1: Sean's not been doing this very long. <laughs> no, he's very new. He's he's uh he's he's almost uh He's been riding almost two years now. <laughs> Jeez! So it's been quite quite a lot of work. Um, yeah, trying to manage his uh, his ascent and his uh, ambition to uh, you know go so far in such a short period of time. It's felt like he's worked through you know my sixteen seventeen years of experience within <laughs> you know two years or so. It's uh, it's it's pretty crazy.
0: Well, that's that's just impressive. It does show his dedication and, and yeah. how he really wants to work for it. And and he's, yeah. I mean, you guys are competing against people that literally have been doing nothing but rallying since they were knee-high to a Niigata Grasshopper. So, yeah, it, it, it's a different scale for sure. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's super exciting. Um, sure. So before I let you go, actually, I did want to just kind of get mm-hmm. your some opinions on things. I think we got a little bit of time sure. here. So, cool. uh, WRC and its future. You know, because I know you're a person that. Definitely, you know, chimes in on, on how things are progressing and whatnot um, yeah. as you guys start to move forward, getting into R5 and all that. And I just want to mm-hmm. ask your opinion, you know, uh, a couple of things that seem to keep coming up is the expense of the top level of WRC, hybridization yeah. coming, things like that. What's your thoughts on that stuff?
1: Yeah, it's 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 tricky. I mean, the last few years of the WRC have been really exciting. Um lots more competition the cars have been much more spectacular to watch um and i've seen you know in the service park that it's the budgets have have really really grown um and there's uh you know a new level of it's so much more competitive and requires so much more effort and funds and dedication to be competitive obviously it's still you know the budget of a factory worldwide championship team is still about 10 percent of the budget of a f1 team but that still is um you know, thirty million, forty million dollars a year, <laughs> right. um, and that's and that's not you know going to always be sustainable for all the teams. And unfortunately, it seems like we're starting to see a few cracks in that. And then it just has the the um, the issue that um, all motorsports have at the moment, which is um, trying to stay relevant for the cars that uh, manufacturers want to produce, which is increasingly going electric, and then also being able to. Um, you know, sort of have a a positive vision to combat climate change um, and those types of concerns that uh, that people have. So, you know, I'm not completely sure which way it's going. It sounds like probably, um, you know, a hybrid type of model is what might come. But then, you know, with some of the manufacturer interest, that hasn't quite been there that you know it might not come i guess what i would like to see is if um you know they do uh you know a hybrid wrc which which makes sense but you know maybe open up the rules a little bit around the 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 engines and and the power so that the cars are really spectacular but maybe um you know require a lot better fuel economy just so that um you know the technology that's coming to the teams and that they're developing is relevant for you know what people want in road going cars and then therefore has um relevance to to the manufacturers to continue to invest i think as far as you know the class we're running in you know the class below the the top level factory teams um you know the the most important thing is just having a platform that is competitive and feels similar to um to the uh, to the top level cars to figure out who's the best and who should be on the, the manufacturer teams.
0: Do you think the R five or maybe some sort of R five plus, where you just uh, I guess you know different restrictors or something like that, should maybe be the top class in the future? Or do you think uh, do you like this new a um, little bit larger, but then again safer because they did make add some safety changes with all the arrow and stuff like that in the top cars. Me personally, yeah. Um, I, I like when they went to the 2017 spec because we got yeah. to this whole, like, stencil thing. It was the the, the old company. You, know, you put any car, you make a stencil of it, and put them side by side, you yeah. know, and, and you wouldn't be able to tell them apart. They definitely mm-hmm. very much have differentiated themselves now. But then again, yeah. I don't know. If we went back to kind of that 2016 era, I think designers have gotten a little better working within the envelope, I guess, even of the 2016 styling to make them mm-hmm. differentiated a bit. But still... I like how the 2017 spec has gone. Yeah. I, th- I think it's just definitely aggressive. It's exciting. And I think that has drawn in a lot more fans Yeah, um, exactly. as well as enticing at least, you know, uh, one new manufacturer to it. So,
1: yeah, uh, but yeah, the price is there, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things that I, I think it's more important to to draw the interesting and keep it relevant. Um, rather than worrying about the, the cost as much, if it's, if it has value, then, um, you know, the, the money will come towards it. I guess what I'm concerned about is if they're doing something that, you know, essentially doesn't have value for manufacturers or, or isn't as exciting and, and bring the, the fans and the spectacle, um, then it doesn't really matter how much you try to reduce the cost because rallying is always going to be quite expensive anyway. Um, and, uh, you know, I really love the 2017 rules where it was like, okay, now, you know, we have a handle on safety. Um, we can make the cars aggressive and spectacular and and, and group B like without, you know, um, you know, excessively endangering people's lives, essentially. Um, and I'd like them to carry that on, especially, you know, if they go to, um, you know, a hybrid or more electric model, um, really focusing on... Rather, you know, really making the cars entertaining and spectacular. Because if you can make, you know, the the new kind of more eco-friendly type of um, powertrains really exciting and impressive and spectacular, and get people excited about them, and rallying is a great platform to get people excited about, um, you know, new types of technology. If you can see it in that type of form, um, then I think, uh, you know, the championship and the interest from the manufacturers will be just fine.
0: And just think, I mean, pretty much unlimited torque from electric, right? So, yeah, (laughs) Rally could definitely use that, which would be awesome. Yeah, you you don't have to wait for any uh, turbo lags or anything like that. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that that does sound exciting from that standpoint. And I like your Mm -hmm. idea of uh, a more of an open platform. Maybe you say, you know, if you're going to use this displacement, or maybe that's what it is. Is like, okay, you can only use this displacement of motor, but everything else is open after that.
1: Yeah, and, and you have to get, you know, whatever like. 20, 20 miles per gallon, or something like that. You know, something that's you know quite difficult to achieve. But you know how you get there is up to you.
0: Yeah, I like that. That would be very exciting. Uh, very yeah. interesting to see what comes out of that. Yeah. Uh, and I guess to uh, I guess kind of close out. Um, have you been following the American rally scene while you've been over there. You've been just a bit too busy.
1: Um, you no, know, I follow bits bits here and there between the the ARA. I was definitely a bit uh, jealous not being able to go to uh, SDPR this year. Um, and it looked like there's a, a couple good battles going on um, at the last round in uh, Lake Superior.
0: So, uh, you know, having been to Europe and whatnot, uh, I just want your opinion on you know, what what can American rallying try and do better that uh, try and, I guess, maybe attract more people to it, maybe even from manufacturer side or whatnot. You were talking earlier about how, you know, over in Europe, it's a lot more cars that are the same. Yeah, and so that makes really great competition. Do you think if yeah. we had some sort of like kind of a spec? I know, we're kind of just the the home builder rallies, you know, <laughs> out here, right? Shade tree mechanic yeah. kind of thing, which is awesome. We love all the yeah. grassroots guys and what they build, and yeah. and I, I've kind of struggled with this kind of thing myself. But man, it would be nice right. if we had like a set set of spec people that could yeah. like all compete with each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's always a challenge. I mean, I think um, in the US. What has been working well is, um, so, you know, all the unique cars and home-built type of things um, coming into the championship, and that seems to get quite a bit of um, positive attention, and um, you know, creates a good diversity at the events. Um, it's just that, of course, as you mentioned, the the difficulty in that is being able to. Um, create and, and cultivate talent when all the cars are very very different, um, and you can always sort of um, attribute a you know a result going one way or the other to um, to the car rather than the rather than the driver. So I'm not completely sure what the the answer is to that since well. <laughs> It's a blessing and a curse being around for so long since I've seen so many different approaches Mm -hmm. tried. And of course, um, you know, they, they haven't necessarily succeeded. So you don't know whether to try it again in a, in a new context or, um, or it needs to be something radical and completely different. Um, it would be nice to see if there was, um, you know, a bit more of a, Uh, you know, following and availability of of R2 cars for people to be able to compete against each other if they, you know, were interested in going to uh, the international scene. Um, But, you know, other than that, then I think, you know, the home-built stuff for people that you know, want to have fun and enjoy going out on the roads and sliding sideways in the forest on nice stages. Um, that's, that's completely fine. Um, I, I I guess I'm sort of of the opinion of there needs to be a little bit to be able to a little bit of standardized racing to be able to get people to see if they're competitive, but at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, rallying. There's just so much more events in a smaller space in, in Europe with a lot more competition and a lot more knowledge there. So if that's something that you want to do on the international scene, you, 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 do, just have to, you do just have to go to Europe. I, I don't really see a, a way around that <laughs> other than yeah. being able to um, have a better, you know, opportunity to get some competitive racing to see if, um, you know, that's something that you would want to do.
0: Well, I think you cover more miles doing the American Championship than you would doing the ERC. Yeah. In the travel.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I mean, last year Sean was doing the the German Championship in the Opel Adam Cup and as I mentioned it was a R1 car, so yeah, it's like the Fiesta R1 but with a sequential gearbox and there's 20 cars that are all the same and, you know, Germany is it's not that big of a country and you can do eight rallies and, you know, spend, uh, you know, I don't know, like depending on how much, you know, you're doing, maybe you can do it for like $60,000 or something like that. Um, and be, and, you know, get a, you probably, I mean, we were running with a proper team, so it costs maybe a little bit more, but, um, you can do that on your own. All the cars are the same. Um, and you know, at the end of that, you would have a, if you want it, you'd have a prize drive, um, with the factory team in the ERC. So, you know, if you, it's it's hard to be able to compete with that as far as uh, a stepping stone. Um, mm-hmm. If you're trying to create something in the in the U.S., just because you're probably already well past that mark <laughs> right. um, by the time you do the championship. Uh,
0: well, we're getting closer. You know, McKenna's got his cars he rents out now with uh, yeah, R2s no, really cool. and R5s yeah. now over here. Gosh, I think last I counted, there are six R5s in the U.S. Oh, awesome. so i mean yeah so that that's great to see that yeah um, yeah
1: really as you know as see. those
0: things start to get a little older used ones or you know are, yeah. are becoming available and, and and they're making it over here and the rules yeah, to allow them so that's really it's cool. a
1: great platform and um yeah the cars are are like you know almost almost ubiquitous over here in in europe and uh it would be great to see more and more come the u.s way
0: yeah exactly oh uh, I, I can't can't not mention ODD Racing, who also does uh, <laughs> R2s and stuff too, our friends over at ODD. So mm-hmm. yeah, so we're seeing kind of that rental model, I think, start to come over here. I think that's kind of a good kind of first step, yeah. right? Because that's how a lot of it is in Europe, right? It's that you can go to a team, you you don't have to build the car yourself, it's all managed by somebody else, it's, it's the arrive and drive deal, and you can just focus on the racing, Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, Sean's never owned a rally car, so. Um. <laughs> exactly. exactly.
0: <laughs> that's that's
1: exactly how it works for um, anyone that's, um, you know, trying to, um, you know, make it at the international level. You, you almost never would own the car yourself.
0: Well, with a somewhat limited schedule, but no less exciting being in the R5, <laughs> uh, will we maybe see you stateside in 2020?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, now that we've sorted out the, the calendar, I'm seeing which... Um, Rallies, maybe I could fly back and uh, and do so. Either you know, my two fa- my favorites are um, yeah, Olympus, New England, and SDPR. So um, you know, Olympus might be a possibility. New England, it's uh, a bit too close to Finland, so we're planning on doing Rally Estonia and Rally Finland. Rally Estonia as a test for Finland, so um, probably doesn't work out so well with the timing. Um, but then um, you yeah, know, possibly possibly SDPR. I would like to come over and just just like do one rally a a year back home just to just to be able to see it and see how everyone's doing and uh, enjoy some of the 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 rallies that I used to get to do all the time
0: well awesome Uh, good luck to you really excited to see how your 2020 season goes because yeah you, you guys have been putting on a great show Remember, everybody, you got the documentary that's coming out. So uh, yeah. hope you all watch that. We'll definitely be sharing it. Uh, I also did want to mention, join the Open Paddock Dirt Rally 2.0 Club, for those of you that are sim racers. <laughs> and Alex, you were in, you were competing with us in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this yeah. last
0: one. We, we put up a proper challenge, man.
1: Yeah, I thought I was doing better than I was. I just did the challenge way earlier than everyone else. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm leading or I'm second. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm third. Now I'm fourth. Now I'm fifth. Now I'm sixth. No, I'm seven., No, <laughs> <laughs> well, he still kicked my ass by a large margin. I was like,
0: "Oh look, I'm only a couple of seconds behind Xcurrent." Oh wait, that was his warm-up first stage. Then I was, part of it. all right, well. But it was a proper challenge. We did Sweden yeah. rear-wheel drive Group B, and yeah, 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 whew, hard, hard, right foot.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was it was, it was really fun. So uh, as I always mention I I really liked the game, but obviously it came out in the middle of this uh uh our crazy. WRC and ERC year so I haven't had much time to to play it so it was nice having a few days before I came back to the U.S. just to uh get booted up and give it a little go
0: awesome well uh our very own Matt Kalish ended up winning that one but he's one suggested yeah. uh group b-real drive so he had to leave it a <laughs> practice so uh, but it seems like it, so yeah, it exactly. obviously it's
1: fixed you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, congratulations
0: (laughs) to him on the win for that but we'll be doing other challenges uh this dirt rally 2.0 club thing has kind of taken off uh there's actually a north american dirt rally 2 facebook group uh Ah, for those of you that listen to this that uh want to join up it's uh it's a fun group of folks that uh, like to do the sim thing in addition to being part of rio rallying so uh yeah give us a follow uh, on that join our club as well as uh look for that one uh, sim stuff. I mean, it, it again. That's, that's how I kind of got sucked in the sport, playing Colin McRae mm-hmm. Rally and stuff. With oh, cool. uh, my, my steering wheel was actually a flight yoke.
1: <laughs>
0: when I was, I think everyone's everyone's right? uh,
1: had to start out with a joystick at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fun stuff. Fun stuff. But anyhow, uh, join that
0: group. Be part of our Dirt Rally 2.0 Club and uh, have some with the Sim stuff. And you can compete against famous people like Alex Curiani. So <laughs> that, that adds to the fun. Make of it, it.
1: And they can even. Go beat me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, in the sim world. Exactly, exactly. And
0: Alec, before we let you go, one last thing I want to get is how does everybody follow you and Sean when it comes to all this rallying adventures you guys are going on?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I think Sean and I mostly use Instagram. Um, So my Instagram is Alex Kihirani, uh, A-L-E-X-K-I-H-U-R-A-N-I. And for Sean, it's Sean J Racing. Um, So we're quite active on there. And then um, those will link also to our Facebook pages. And then Sean also has a Twitter handle for updates during the rally. So it should be Sean J Racing as well.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll make sure we have links to that in our post we do of this podcast. So, Cool. Well, everyone, uh, remember, if you like what we're doing here on our show, it's a big help If you give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment, tell us what you'd like us to do more. Thank you again to Alex Kiriani for taking the time to be on the show with us. Alex, have a great 2020, man.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on, Mike. Really appreciate it.
0: As always, thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. And remember, keep it shiny side up and don't cut. Oh, am mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.